Again, thanks for being with us today. As Ryan said, especially if it's your first time with us, maybe your first time in a long time, you're our honored guests. Uh, be sure, if you are visiting, stop by the I'm New Table. We'll get you lots of information, a free gift, just to tell you thanks for being here today. Everybody else, if you haven't already, make sure you go by the Next Steps table. Lots of great resources on how to get plugged in here, how to go deeper in your faith, different service opportunities and ministries. Maybe the heart and soul of the church is at that table, so I encourage you uh, to go over there. A huge shout-out, a huge thank you to Pastor Nathan for filling in for me the last couple of weeks. He did an amazing job up here, uh, brought some incredible words. If you missed either of his two messages the last two weeks, you got to go back and listen to those. He challenged us. He blessed me so much last week with what he had to say. I think the same will be true for you. Uh, the time away from the pulpit the last few weeks has given me an opportunity to do a couple of other things. I have played construction worker over in the chapel the last few weeks. And uh, you'll be happy to know we've hired professionals to come in and fix everything that I did. Uh, but our newly renovated chapel should be done in almost a week or two. It's so close to being finished. It's an amazing space, really coming together. I uh, can't wait to, uh, to show you that when it's done. Uh, the time away also gave me some time to think about and prepare for the next sermon series. We've been hinting at it all morning, but it's called After Life. These little cards are in your bulletin that describe a little bit about it. But I can't wait to spend the next six or seven weeks with you guys talking about the life that is yet to come for those who believe. Even in that song that Kim and Christiana were just singing, you are waking us to life, the promise says, and you have only just begun. This is just the beginning, church. There is so much more. Excuse me, I got a little choked up there. <laughs> so much more coming for us in the life yet to come. And when we develop a heavenly mindset, when we hunger for heaven, the scripture says to set your mind on things above. When you do that, it changes everything else on the earth. We've had a lot of funerals at West Bowl here the last couple of weeks and months, and it's been amazing that I've been studying heaven at the same time I've been officiating all these funerals because it gives me a whole different look at the funeral, but then it gives me a whole different look at life as a whole and a whole different life at what's to come, a whole different look, and oh, it's just, I'm excited. You can tell I'm stumbling over my words, but I can't wait to share that stuff with you. So you're not going to miss it starting next Sunday, Easter Sunday, Afterlife. Uh, speaking of Easter Sunday, I want to challenge and I want to encourage you to invite, invite, invite. Invite as many people as you possibly can next Sunday to come be a part of what we're going to do here at West Bowles. I challenge you, really, invite 10 people if you can, 10 different families, neighbors, coworkers, friends, whatever it might be. And if only one shows up, well, close to 750 people then, new people, would hear about the resurrection of Jesus. And many for the very first time. So invite, invite, invite. Use these little cards. We forgot to put the times and dates on there, but you know it's Easter Sunday, 8.30, 10.30. Use these cards. Spread the word. Let's pack this place and celebrate the resurrection together. Uh, speaking of next Sunday, it truly is one of the most important Sundays for this church and really for any church. It's an opportunity where we invite hundreds and hundreds of new people into our home. And because of that, I just, I need your help. I need your help next week. I need you to be present. I need you to be creating a dynamic spirit. I need you to be welcoming and friendly like you always are. We really need your help serving, though, from greeters to parking lot attendants, uh, especially, though, downstairs in our children's wing. During both services, Char's going to have the little ones walking through these experiential stations where they can touch and taste and smell the resurrection in different ways. And we need you, church. We need you to help lead the kids through that. I mean, I know, I've got a family of my own, so I know on Easter Sunday, you want to do your own Easter egg hunt, you want to do your own brunch, you want to take your own pictures, the morning's already packed. Please, would you wait to do those things until after worship? Would you come here instead that morning just ready to serve? Humble yourself before the Lord, put someone's needs above your own, and I think the Lord's going to do a powerful thing next Sunday in this place. If you have any interest in serving in any way, go to the, the Welcome Center, we've got a sign-up form for you there, we'll get in touch with you this week. 
Let me pray for us for Easter Sunday as well as for this morning and uh, just everything for that matter. Let's pray together. God, we uh, this morning are thinking about kind of Palm Sunday, Lord. For, for some of us, we know what that is, and others, it's kind of strange language, but it just means that over 2,000 years ago, Lord, on this particular Sunday, this exact day, you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowds were cheering your name, chanting your name. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, come. You are the one who we've, who we've been waiting for. You are the one we want. You are the one we need. You have come to save us. And Lord, they had a very limited understanding of what that salvation was. But I think on this Sunday morning, God, we should be shouting those same things because we know what that means. You have saved us from sin. You've saved us from death. You've saved us from hell. You've saved us from ourselves. you saved us from our past, from regrets, from all fears, from all the shadows of this life. You have saved us. And so we say, Hosanna, you are the one who can save us. And this week, God, we want to introduce more and more people to you. We want Monday, Thursday to be an incredible experience where folks are encountering you, communing with you, spending time with your church. We pray that Good Friday folks are spending some time thinking about the cross and the pain and the shame that happened. On Saturday, Lord, would you humble us? Would you help us all to realize on that day you were separated from your Father? Jesus, you spent time away from God. You'd never been apart from Him in all of eternity, but on that Saturday, Lord, for our sake, you experienced hell on our behalf. And then on Sunday, I pray that we come together with as many people wrapped around us, Lord, and in our arms as we possibly can bring, and we celebrate the resurrection. We believe with all of our heart that you've conquered death itself, so nothing now stands in our way. Nothing will ever stop us from being with you forever. And just pray, God, this week, it truly is holy for us, that it's special, that it's different, and that we have an evangelistic spirit. Please make it so, God. We want Littleton to know you. We want our neighbors, our classmates, our friends, our coworkers. We want them to know you. Not, not because it's good for us, Lord. It's good for them. In you is life, now and forever. And we'd be fools to not share that. So help us, Lord, this week um, to introduce people to you. Make it so. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Whew, I feel like I preached a sermon already. I haven't even preached a sermon yet. All right, let's get into this thing. We're wrapping up our sermon series entitled Up, and here's, here's how I thought it would be best to do that. There are times when it's, it's pretty obvious uh, to everybody else around you what you've been up to. Right? It's pretty obvious where you've been, what you've been doing. Everybody can see it. Take, for example, the person with the raccoon eye sunburn. Right? It's like, yeah, we know, we know where you've been. Or you've been up in the mountains enjoying some serious spring skiing. Take, for example, the person decked out in blue and orange gear, right? The one with face paint on or a wig, that little foam horse head. Like, we know where you've been. That's pretty obvious to everybody. Take, for example, the person who has barbecue sauce all over their face and their hands, right? The one sitting next to a pile of, like, moist towelettes. I just like that moist towel. Anyway, sorry. We know where you've been, right? It's obvious to everybody what you've been up to. Well, the same thing that is true with vacations or sporting events or messy dinners, that should also be true when it comes to being with Jesus. Acts 4.13 says this. When the crowd saw the courage of Peter and John... And realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. The crowds were astonished. And they took note that these two men had been with Jesus. So two of the original 12 disciples, Peter and a guy named John, they're standing before a group of religious leaders. They're kind of on trial, if you will. And a huge crowd has assembled around them. And it says that in this moment, the religious leaders, as well as the entire crowd, they noticed something. It was, something was obvious to them. They took notice that these two guys, they'd been with Jesus. These two guys had been with Jesus. What a great statement that is. 
But why? I mean, what made it so obvious to everybody? Were Peter and John holding up signs that say John 3.16? Were they wearing t-shirts with a corny picture of Jesus? Like, did they have bumper stickers on the back of their chariot? Were they wearing cross necklaces? Was there a little plastic acronym bracelet on there? I mean, what, what was it that made them stand out? What was it that made the crowd say, wait, wait, wait a second here. You two, we, we can see it. You two have been with Jesus. But more than that, I mean, isn't that statement, isn't what was said of them what should be said of all of us? Of everyone who bears the title of Christian? Shouldn't that same thing be what our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers say of us? Wait a second here. I, I take notice of something. It's something's obvious to me. I know where you've been. I know who you've been with. Jesus. I think it should be said of all of us. And here's, here's how I think that happens. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. Now all of us, with our faces unveiled, reflect the glory of the Lord as if we're mirrors. And so we are being transformed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. Read that verse with me. It says, now all of us, with our faces unveiled, reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors. And so we're being transformed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. This morning, all I want to do is walk through this one passage because this says it all. It says a lot. Let's walk through each phrase in particular. It says, now all of us. Paul appears to be talking to everyone who would say, I am a Christian, everyone who has given their life to Christ or taken on the worldview of the Bible. He's saying all of us fall into this category, not just the missionaries, not just the paid professionals, this isn't just for the disciples, I'm not talking about like the old seasoned believers now. If you are a Christian, you fall into this category. These words are for you. All of us with faces unveiled. That's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Kind of a weird statement if you think about it. Faces unveiled. Whenever I think about someone's face covered with a veil, I immediately think of a wedding day, right? A bride on her wedding day. Back in the day, I don't see it a whole lot anymore, but back in the day at some weddings, a, a bride would wear a, a veil, a, a light cloth or covering over her face. And she would wear it during the entire ceremony until the pastor would say, and now has come the time, groom, for you to finally kiss your bride. And he would come in and he would take the veil and he would lift it over her face and he would give her a big old smoochy smooch. That's how we say it at our house, sorry. I mean, that's why Becca probably doesn't like to do that very much. It's like, what the heck? Smoochy smooch? What are you talking Anyway. So is that what Paul's talking about here? A bride on her wedding day? Because my bride, she didn't wear a veil. And I don't wear one except for Friday afternoons. And so it's like, what? You know what? What are you talking about here? No, Paul's not talking about marriage here in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about a man named Moses. So for the last couple of months here at Bowles, we've been in a sermon series entitled Up. It's all based on one passage we read in Exodus 19.20. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Moses went up. 
See, it was up there, up on top of this mountain where Moses met with the Lord. It was up there on top of this mountain where Moses talked to the Lord. It was up there on top of the mountain where Moses learned more about the Lord. It all happened up there on this mountaintop. I mean, Moses, he developed a close friendship with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He developed a friendship with him up on top of that mountain. And you can imagine that everything was different for Moses once he came down. In fact, even his face was different. Look at Exodus 34, 29. It says this. When Moses went back down Mount Sinai, he carried the two stone tablets in his hands, the Ten Commandments, right, as a witness to their agreement. But he did not realize the skin on his face was glowing and radiant because he had been speaking with God. Now, we've all seen a cheesy fake suntan, have we not? We've all seen, or some of us can at least, pick up when, when a, a, newly, a, a woman is newly pregnant. There's like a glow in her eyes. Well, that's not what this is talking about. It's not a cheesy fake suntan. It's not like a look in your eyes. This is a face literally glowing, shining, radiating like the sun. This is crazy to me. His face was literally shining after he came down from the mountain. You see, Moses had just spent time with the one whose glory, whose beauty, whose radiance will literally replace the sun in the new heaven and the new earth. Revelation tells us there won't be a, a sun in heaven because God will be the light. So Moses has spent time with this God, and guess what? This God has rubbed off on him. That God has literally rubbed off on him. I used to work at an after-school program for several years during high school and college, and my immediate supervisor for many of those years was a guy named Art. Art was a great guy, and he had a great laugh. It was like, ah, 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 ah. I was like, that's awesome, dude, that's awesome. And he was, he was so joyful, he laughed a lot. Well, fast forward a couple of months, guess what happened? I started laughing like Art, and I don't even know why. And one day my sisters, they, they called me out on it. They're like, why are you laughing like that? Like, ah, ah, ah. I don't even know. But what happened to me with Art's laugh is the same thing that happened to Moses with God's glory. He spent enough time around God that God literally rubbed off on him. And you could see it. You could see it in his face. Now that sounds pretty cool. I mean, to me, that sounds pretty exciting, but it was actually somewhat problematic. Look at how the story continues. Exodus 34, verse 30. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. They were afraid to come near to him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community, well, they came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commandments the Lord had given to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses, Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he would remove that veil until he came out. When he came out, he would tell the Israelites what he had been commanded. They saw his face was radiant, so Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. You ever been talking to someone who's got food stuck in their teeth? Or like a little booger hanging in their nose? It's like, oh, I, just, I can't focus right now on anything you are saying. Come on, tell me you are like that. Oh, you guys are so godly, you don't even notice. Though. Okay, I get it, I get it. Well, imagine. I mean, if, if food in the, in the teeth or a little something in the nose is catching you off guard, imagine if somebody's face was shining in front of you. 
so bright. It was like, like a huge flash, like the sun itself. It'd be a little distracting, would it not? You couldn't, you couldn't focus on them. And that's a problem. So what did Moses do? Because Moses' face was like that. Well, it says he put a veil over his face. He covered his face. Some sort of cloth, some sort of covering, so that the glow and the glory of God wouldn't be so overwhelming to everybody else. Now, it's with all of that in mind, let's go back to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now all of us, with our faces unveiled, we reflect the glory of the Lord as if we're mirrors. See, now this, this makes more sense to us now, doesn't it? He's not talking about Mary, he's talking about Moses. He's not just talking about Moses, he's talking about the time when Moses went up. Because when Moses went up, God rubbed off on him so much so that you could see it in his face, in his countenance, in his very spirit. Everything was different about Moses. And he's saying, and you, Christian, because you've been given the same invitation, the same opportunity, because you go up, your face should look the same way. You only need a veil or you only remove the veil when your face is glorious. And he's saying, your face should be like that. Our faces should be like Moses, and we don't have to cover it up. Unlike Moses, we don't need to try to uh, you know, tone it down a little bit or conceal it. God wants us to shine. God wants us to glow. God wants his glory to be reflected in everything we say, in everything we do. Shine. Shine, God says. When you are up with me, when you spend time with me on the mountain, you will. You will shine. In fact, that's the point. That's how it works. I mean, look at the rest of the verse with me. And so we are being transformed. The word there means metamorphosed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. So all of us with our faces unveiled, just like Moses up on the mountain, we're reflecting God's glory. We're shining like Moses did. And as we do that, God is up to something. God is changing us, transforming us more and more into the image of Jesus. And we are moving from one form of glory and radiance to another, to another, to another. Do you see how that works? But it, it all starts with going up. I mean, you reflect God and you glow for God, you shine for God only after you've gone up. Only when you spend time with God, only when you're in his presence, only when you listen to his voice will you become like him. When you spent enough time with art, you started laughing like art. But when you spend enough time with God, you'll start laughing like God. But more than that, you'll start living like God. You'll start loving like God. It's all because you went up. All of us, with our faces unveiled, we are shining to this world because we've been up. And as we shine, as we go up, God is doing something crazy in us. He's making us like Jesus, and he's taking us from one level of glory to another. See, our problem, church, isn't a discipline problem or an evangelism problem or a passion problem or a dedication problem. Our problem, it's, it's a going up problem. You don't have to work hard to become like Jesus. You just got to spend some time around him. You see, Moses didn't come down the mountain saying, okay, you know, I just had this amazing experience and I got to prove it to everybody. So maybe I'll put some glow-in-the-dark paint on my face. Maybe I'll do something crazy with some eyeshadow or some blush or whatever. Maybe I'll slap myself around a little bit. I got to bring some color to my face. He didn't, he didn't work at it. He didn't even know it happened. He was just with God so much that when he came down, 
everybody knew it. Everybody took notice. So I want to encourage you, you don't got to work harder in your faith. In fact, the people that you look up to in your faith, right, those godly men and women, you're like, I want to be like them. I want to be like them so bad. Their passion is so sweet, and, and their prayer life seems dynamic, and they worship with all their heart and their soul, and they serve other people. But I want to be like those people. Those people aren't necessarily more godly than you are. They spend more time with God than you probably do. That's the difference. Ah, 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 ah. They're just laughing like art. No, they're living like Jesus because they've just been around Jesus so much. He's rubbed off on them. And we, all of us, with our faces unveiled, we reflect the Lord's glory. We shine for him. And as we do that, God transforms us into the image of Christ, taking us from one level of radiance to another. But it all has to go back. It all goes back to going up, right? You don't radiate unless you go up. You aren't transformed unless you go up. I mean, this series, I hope you're not just seeing this series as just another series. I mean, I'm sure pastors say that after every series, right? This is so important. This is so important. This isn't just another series. In fact, I wish we could just end the series this week. And guess what? Next week, Easter Sunday, new series called Up. Because this is, this is the heart of it all. God wants a personal relationship with every single person in this room. He's invited every single one of you by name. I don't care if you're four years old or 44 years old or 104 years old, whatever. He wants you to come up. He wants to know you by name. He wants you to know him by name. He wants to hear you laugh. He wants, to, he wants you to hear him laugh. He wants to rub off on you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. Every single person in this room. And because of Jesus, because of what happened this week on the cross, because of the empty tomb, it's all possible now. There were a lot of blockades. There were a lot of barriers. There were a lot of hindrances, roadblocks to getting to God before. They're not there anymore. Everything's gone. The road is clear. You can go up. Be with him. He wants you to be with him so bad. And when you're up there, you will be changed by him. You will come fully alive. Wait a second here. Why are you suddenly so caring? Why are you so much more patient now with the kids? Well, you want to help this family in need out? You want to give more money to the church? Why do you want to worship more? Why are you so happy all of a sudden? Why are you alive? I guess Jesus is rubbing off on me. It's as simple as it gets. When you go up, he will rub off on you. And everything will be different. Everything will be different. And so, for the sake of review, I just, I just want to share with you where we've been and why this matters. Right? Nothing, nothing happens. You're not transformed. You're not, you're not metamorphosed from one level of glory to another. You don't become more like Jesus. Your face doesn't shine unless you go up. That's what Paul is saying. You're like Moses. You've been up. And when you've gone up, so many crazy, amazing things are going to happen for you, going to happen to you. So that means, church, that every time we praise, right, the first week we lifted him up. Every time you sing a, a song of worship to him, Christiana said it this morning, you are entering into his presence, when you sing a song in your car, in the shower, in church, whatever, you are posturing yourself before the Lord. You're saying, I want to spend time with you. Rub off on me. And every time you lift him up in song, the promise is you are being transformed into his image. You might not even know. You might not even know the words of the song. You might not even like the song. But every time you lift him up in song, you are being transformed into his image moving from one degree of glory to another. That's praise. That's why it's so important. The same is true with confession. Every time you fess up, 
Every time you, you, you share with God the, the things you've done wrong, the mistakes you've made, the burdens you were carrying, every time you take off your Sunday best, you're like, this is me. This is the real me. I'm struggling. Every time you're like that, when you're honest to somebody else, when you're honest with the Lord, every time you confess a sin, you are posturing yourself before the Lord. You're saying, here I am, God. I'm with you now. Rub off on me. And every time you confess, every time you fess up, you are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. See how that works? Same is true with prayer. Every time you pray up, every time you lift a request or make known to God what you want him to do, what you want him to give, God, I need you to move in this certain way in my life. I'm asking you, God, right now for these things or to move in these ways. Every time you pray up, you're posturing yourself before the Lord. You're saying, I want to spend time with you. Rub off on me. And every time you pray up, you're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. You're moving from one degree of glory to another. Same is true when you eat up. When you take these words and you say, God, I want to feed not only my body, but I want to feed my soul. And these are the words that are going to do it. Would you speak to me now? Would you nourish me internally in my inner man and in my inner woman? When you eat up, when you take these words and you, and you devote yourself to them, when you read those words, you're saying, God, I'm posturing myself before you. I'm coming up. Rub off on me. And every time you eat up, you are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Same is true when you listen up. I mean, you cannot listen up to the Lord and not be in his presence, right? So every time you say, Lord, would you speak to me? A word, a phrase, shout it out if you have to. Every time you humble yourself before the Lord, when you listen to his still, small voice, when you follow a prompting in your spirit, every time you do it, you're saying, God, I'm here, I'm with you, rub off on me. And every time you listen up, you are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory from one level of glory to another. The same is true when you rest up, what Nathan's been talking about. Every time you say, you know what, I'm not gonna be thrown around by the, by the winds and the waves of this world. I'm staying strong right here. I'm gonna hold up. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna rest in you, Lord. Every time you do that, you're saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm up with you. I'm in your presence. Rub off on me. And every time you rest up, every time you hold up with the Lord, you're being transformed. You're being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, read it with me again, and read it as if it's not like a bad note from the principal's office, all right? 2 Corinthians 3.18, now all of us, with our faces unveiled, we reflect the glory of the Lord as if we are mirrors, and we are being transformed into his same image from one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. So what you do, Christian, you just go up, and God does all these other crazy cool things to you. Just go be with him, and he will rub off on you, and he promises through his Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in seven days, he's going to transform you. Now, you might be like, dude, I'm not anything more like Jesus than I was 10 years ago. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm even worse off. You know, you know how I see growth in, in the faith? It's kind of like a child as they grow up. When you're with your kids all day long, you don't really see them growing, do you? But then grandma and grandpa come by like every six months. They're like, dang, he got so tall. I'm like, no, he didn't. It's the same height. Like, then you go over to the board. It's like, whoa, you did get tall six inches in six months. You see how that works? 
You can't notice it. You can't see it because it's incremental and it is small steps, but God sees it. And one day Jesus will be like, wow, you grew so much. You look so much like me because you went up, because you let me rub off on you every day in your life. And on that last day of your life, when you get to go up with him for good, he'll be like, wow, we look a lot alike. Well, I didn't see it. Well, of course you didn't see it, but I see it. I see it in you. All right, I need a, I need a volunteer real fast to help me close this out. So uh, Keegan, oh, great. Thank you so much for volunteering. Appreciate you. You raised your hand so fast, no one even saw it. Keegan's a good friend, an awesome, awesome man of the Lord. He's a senior this year, going to be graduating here in just a couple of weeks. And uh, I just need, need a little, do a little something with him uh, to help wrap up the series, okay? Now, there's something out there, at least in the, in the States, and it's in most of the Western world as well, but it's called personal space, right? We know what personal space is. So when you're talking to somebody like this, like three to four feet, right? A little bit of a gap, a little bit of separation, some personal space. Well, you probably know where I'm going with this, so we've got we to gotta take some Tic Tacs, buddy, because this is going to get awkward. That, uh, that, wow, it's that bad. Okay, okay, yeah, wow, wow. Oh, jeez. Just took half my jar. All right, so personal space, right? This is what normal... This is not so normal. It's okay. I kind of like it. <laughs> but you see, most of us are like this when it comes to God. Give me my space. I'll give you Sundays, but I won't give you much other time throughout the week. I'll give you praise when, when, when life's going well. I'll read my Bible when I've got time. I'll serve others when it's convenient, when there's no baseball games on or, or kids' activities that I gotta go to. Give me my space, God. And God says, no, 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 no. I want to be close. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. But you see, in addition to that word up, what, what I want you to think about when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, there's a word, and the word is closer. Okay? God wants you to be closer. And then he wants you to be closer. And then he wants you to be closer. And then he wants you to be closer. Stop saying, give me my space, God. Stop saying that. Give him your life. Give him your all and just see what happens. Get closer to him. Go up and be with him. And your face will start to glow. Your life will be changed. And you will be transformed in the image of Jesus. And you'll move from one level of glory to another. That's the hope. That's the promise. So church, would you help me? As a pastor, let's not move past up. Even though we're moving into a new series, let's not move past this. This is it. This is the heart of it. And I'm going to keep asking you, are you going up? How is your time up? What's happening when you're up there with him? I'm going to keep asking you that and challenging you in that way because this is what it means to be a believer, that we're with him so he'll rub off on us so we'll look a lot more like Jesus. Amen? Let's pray that and we'll get out of here. God, you are such a good God that you want to be closer to us. There are some gods out there, some deities who would say, no, 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 you can only come so far. You can only get so close to me because you're imperfect. Not you. You come to us and you say, get over here. Get over here and give me a hug. Get over here and get as close to me as you possibly can. And I pray that every person in this room would do that this week. I pray this series has impacted lives forever. That we now see that going up, it's not just some 
random invitation. It's not just some small um, opportunity that we have, God. It's really the heart and soul of it all. Help us each in our own way to go up. Help us to lift you up. Help us to pray up. Help us to eat up. Help us to listen up. Help us to rest up. Help us to spend some time with you so that you will rub off on us so that we might look more like Jesus so we can move from one level of glory to another. Make 2 Corinthians 3.18 true for every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, take your veils off and get out of here. We'll see you next week, all right? Have a great week. Don't forget, invite folks to Easter Sunday. God bless you.